If you are able, remain standing, please, for the reading of God's holy word. Today is my last Sunday with you as your associate pastor, and I know no greater text to uh, read and explain with you than this passage that's before us, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It captures my heart, it captures my head, and the joy that fills both having served with you for lo these past couple of years. And so let's give then our attention to it this morning. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Hear now the word of God. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the day of completion of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of pra and praise of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father in heaven, your word is opened before us. Open our eyes now our hearts, our minds, to receive this word, we pray, as you seal to us that you begin a good work in us and will promise to carry it all the way to the day of completion. Do that work, we pray, for your own glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, friends, be seated. A couple of months ago, I, uh, I joined the Christ Church Men's Golf League that played every Thursday evening at about five o'clock. And so every Thursday morning, I would wake up with a, a new spring in my step in anticipation of how that, that day was going to end. I had a new joy that flooded my soul because I knew sooner rather than later I was going to be on the golf course and I was anticipating a, a, a wonderful round and the joy that I would experience just being outside and playing that game. I'd get to the golf course a little early and I would practice putting and I was you know 10 feet away and I'm dropping putts left and right and I'm chipping up within a couple of feet uh, from way off the apron and I get some balls to the range and I'm knocking them straight and long and I'm thinking this is gonna be a great round of golf today and then I get to the first tee box and then it's way you know a nice big slice all the way out into Breton Road or 28th Street or whatever that is or pow all the way this way a nice hook when the ball goes that direction and it seems like every hole gets worse than the hole before and suddenly all of that excitement and that joy that I had at the beginning now I just simply cannot wait for the round to be over with so that I can get my clubs back in the garage and I can move on to something else. I experienced the same thing this past spring as well. Uh, 
winter finally ended. It's time to get back in the river. Time to go catch those trout that are about yay big or so. And so I would be filled with excitement. I'd get my map out and I would set my GPS coordinates to the very place where I wanted to be on this particular river. I got all my stuff together, loaded in my truck, and I'm just bouncing down the road as I'm driving with anticipation of it's going to be a great day of catching all kinds of trout. And I'd get there and I'd put on my waders and my boots and all of my gear and I'd make my way to the river and I look down and the first step in the river I'm going to be this deep underwater because the, the rain had fallen and the river was fast and it was full and so I walked down and down and down and down trying to find a place to get in. Never can get in so I'm roll casting from the bank getting tied up in the trees that are behind me one after the other. That joy that I had in anticipation of having a great day was robbed of me because of the actual events and what I experienced. I wonder if that describes you. I know it describes me, and I'm guessing that it probably does describe you in many ways as well, and that's this, that our level of joy that we live out in our life is situational. It's based upon what is happening to me, what's going on around me. If things are great, if they're good, then I am filled with joy. I'm excited. If they're going my way, if things are happening the way I had anticipated that they would happen, then I am filled with joy and couldn't be uh, more, more so filled with joy. But if things are not so great, if it's painful, if it's frustrating, if it's chaotic, whatever it may be, then I'm robbed of my joy. The situation determines that. And so I have no joy at all. I'm joyless instead of joyful. That's somewhat of what Paul is addressing here in the letter to the church at Philippi. But he's telling them that whatever situation that you're in, whether things are going as you anticipated or whether they're not going as you anticipated, because he who began a good work in us, he who began the work of the gospel in our hearts and in our minds, we are experiencing, should be experiencing a life of joy, hearts of joy, heads of joy, filled with joy, because he who began that work promises to see that work all the way to the day of completion. Like Pastor Andrew said last week, we cannot be robbed of our hope of the resurrection. And so that ought to fill us with great joy, not dependent upon the situation that we're living, but because of the gospel that has been at work in our hearts and in our minds. The one word summary for the book of Philippians is this, joy. 16 times, 16 times in these four chapters, this little letter that uh, Paul has penned, 16 times he uses a word, the word joy or rejoice, defining the way they ought to be living their life 16 times. 17 times in chapter 1 alone, he speaks the name Christ or Jesus Christ. Paul is telling the church at Philippi, he's telling you and me today, loved ones, if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that he who began that work, we didn't begin that work, but he who began that good work in us, are now in union with him. I am in Christ, Christ is in me, 
And because of that, that work that he began, our lives can be filled with great joy. Today is my last Sunday with you as your associate pastor. This has been a difficult day. It's been a hard day, even anticipating this particular day. But I can, I can tell you with all honesty, with all sincerity, my heart is filled with joy today. My head is filled with joy today because of the promises that Paul gives to me and to you from this passage right here, that we are partakers in this work of grace from the first day that we got here to today, from the first day to the last. But we are partners in this gospel, and I am confident then of this, that he who began that work will see that work to the day of completion. The Archbishop of Canterbury Jeffrey Fisher in the 1960s said this, The longer I, al I am alive, the more I am convinced that the Christian life is one great big shout of joy. Friends, that can be our testimony today because of the very promise that God gives us through the Apostle Paul here to this letter at Philippi. He gives them the joy that is to be lived out because of the joy that fills their heart in the gospel and then the joy that fills their head because of the gospel. We're not going line by line, uh, verse by verse through this particular book. So let me just give you a little bit of context as we think back then. What is Paul telling the church at Philippi back then? Well, the context for this book, the book of Philippians, can be found in Acts chapter 16. Paul is on his missionary journey with his company. He comes to Philippi and there is no synagogue there because it's under Roman rule. It had been since uh, 2 B.C., so Paul and company seek to find a place to worship, find a place for prayer. They make their way outside the city, as Acts 16 tells us. And there they are confronted with some women alongside the river. And there too we read that God begins a work in the heart of Lydia. He opens her heart to receive the proclamation of the gospel that Paul begins to preach to the ladies that are there as they have gathered for worship the Lord opens Lydia's heart. We go on to read in Acts 16 that she is converted. She is baptized. Her whole household is baptized. We find Paul then later in that chapter walking through the streets of Philippi. And there is a demon-possessed woman behind him. And she keeps shouting louder and louder and louder. These men are servants of the Most High God, she keeps shouting to the point that Paul finally in utter frustration turns around and says, out, come out of her. And he, he calls that demon to come out. And the owner of the slave girl is then frustrated because of his loss of income. And so he stirs the city of Philippi to oppose Paul and company. They stone him, they beat him, and they throw them into prison. And what does Paul do in response? He breaks out into song. He breaks out into singing. The situation was awful. It wasn't something that he had anticipated or wanted. And yet even in that situation, his heart was filled with joy. 
because of the gospel that was at work in him and now coming through him into the hearts of others. And he was filled with joy and broke out into song. Years later, we find the Apostle Paul, 62 to 63 AD, now in prison. That's why he can tell us in verse 4, whether it's imprisonment or whether I'm confirming the gospel, whether things are bad or whether things are good, in both of those situations, I still have a heart filled with joy. The Apostle Paul now sits down and he writes this letter that's before us, to the newly planted church now meeting in Lydia's house there in Philippi. Now there is a presence there. Now there is a place for worship, the gathering, corporate gathering of God's people for worship. And so Paul is now writing saying, my heart is filled with joy in our partnership in the gospel together. Friends, Jennifer and I experienced that same partnership application today with you two years ago when we came. We came for a four-day long weekend uh, candidating trip, and two of the four days it snowed. <laughs> we, we were coming from almost the, 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 the border of Mexico, coming to a place that's almost the border of Canada. We knew it was going to be cold and it was going to snow, but we got here and it started snowing two of the four days that we were here. And many of you would say to both of us then, oh, this is unusual. This is so unusual. I kept hearing that word. Unu this is unusual. And I said, well, when is it usual? When does the snow usually start falling? Oh, not for another week from now, a week to 10 days from now. <laughs> This is so unusual. Well, it was unusual for us, certainly. Uh, we went back home after this common connection. Yeah, there's snow. It's going to be cold. But you know what? There, there, is a, there is a connection there. There is a bond there with these individuals. And so I loaded up all of our, my stuff and I drove up. Jennifer stayed down in Texas to sell the house. I came up for our, my presbytery exam. And about three, four, maybe five days after the presbytery exam, what happened? Boom, the, po the polar vortex hit. The polar vortex. And you would say, oh, this is unusual. This is really, really unusual. We don't usually have weather like this. And I, I literally called Jennifer one day, and it was, there was 100 degrees difference. It was 80 degrees on the island, South Padre Island. And the, the feel-like temperature here was 22 below zero. A 100-degree difference. And I heard from you, this, this is unusual. This is really, really unusual. And yet, there was this affection, this connection. Jennifer came up. We endured the snow. And then spring hit. Then summer hit, days like today. Many of you invited us to your cabins up on the lake. We spent time with you living the gospel together. My dear friend Paul Lammers and I spent time on our kayaks fishing together. Trails and ales with many of my new friends, men that were my new friends in local pubs, breweries, sharing a beer together. We lived the, the gospel together. We lived life together. 
in great times. And then COVID-19 hit. Not so great times. You, do you remember when we all used to worship in there? It seems so long ago, doesn't it? When we would enter through the glass doors and you had to maneuver yourself through the narthex because there were so many people standing there. Or our deacons faithfully adding chairs to the back or encouraging people to slide over so that we could all get together in one space. In both situations, loved ones, my heart is filled with joy because we have lived the gospel together. Our canceled worship turned to online worship, turned to in the parking lot worship, and will return to indoor worship. But I can say, good times in and bad, my heart has been filled with joy for our partnership in this gospel of grace together. But Paul doesn't stop there. He began this prayer. My prayer is filled with joy because of our partnership with the gospel. You're dear to my heart, he says. But now in verse 9, here's my continued prayer, that your love may abound more and more now with your head, that your joy would be filled with head in your head with more knowledge and discernment, that you may approve what is excellent. So Paul, what Paul is doing to the, the church there in Philippi now is he's encouraging them to experience the joy in their heads as they, they one another together, as they abound more and more in this gospel, as they live this gospel out more and more together. He's giving them a one another passage that, that as they lived in the gospel together, it would seal to their minds that, that God had already changed their hearts, your heart and my heart, uh, with this gospel that he now seals to our heads. The gospel is not simply a knowledge that we have right up here, friends, but because of a work here, but because of the work that God has done in our hearts, changing our hearts, he now seals to our minds that our hearts have been changed and that draws us closer in our affection for one another, in the community that we live with one another. Even though there may be hundreds of miles that separate us, still this partnership in the gospel fills our heads with great joy so that we would then live life together pure, pure and blameless, as he goes on to say. Pure, the Latin version of that word is the word sincere, which, from which we get our word sincere. Literally translated, it simply means this, sun-dried without wax. Because the church at Philippi, the, the city of Philippi, like the city of Corinth, made clay pots and merchants sold those pots. And as they would dry, the pot would crack. And so a merchant still wanting to sell it would fill the crack with, with wax and then paint the pot in order to sell it. Then you'd get home the sun would come out to dry that wax and it would begin to contract and it would open up the crack and then the pot would begin to leak again. It would be worthless. And so Paul is saying, don't live like that. Don't live life abounding in love for each other non-sincerely. We're cracked vessels. We have treasures in jars of clay, as Paul told the church at Corinth. But we ought not to live like we don't. 
Oh, that the, the day would come when the church wouldn't be uh, ridiculed for being full of hypocrites, but that's exactly what we are. So let's admit that that's what we are and live the gospel together, confessing our sins with one another, abounding in our love for one another, being sincere as the gospel seals to our minds that that's who you are, that's who I am, corrupt in every part of our being, and yet he began a good work in us and promises to see that work to the day of completion. And living that way pure, then we would be blameless. The Greek word there is a reference to our motives, not our actions, but that we are driven by a heart that is completely changed, now sealing to our minds that we live this gospel together, one another. And friends, today I can say my head is filled with joy because I have seen this gospel lived out between you. We have lived life together. We have one anothered together. I have been alongside some of you through a diagnosis, through some kind of a treatment, through the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, and I have seen the gospel of grace at work within you. We have all been affected by COVID, uh, the very thing that the evil one would seek to use to drive us further and further apart from one another. And I have seen the gospel of grace alive and at work within you. Our ministries, men's ministries, women's ministries, C groups, adult institute, children's ministries, youth ministries, all driven by word word and sacrament that we would grow in our knowledge and understanding that's what you have desired that's what we have done and we have abounded in this knowledge and love together more and more as we have seen the gospel of grace alive and well within each of us that brings my head great joy great joy he who began that work will see that work to the day of completion and that fills my head with joy. Well, I've watched more TV than I wanted to watch through this COVID-19 stuff. Jennifer and I got into these uh, uh, the, uh, different series that Tom Hanks produced called the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, and the 2000s. And each decade has about six to eight different episodes of what life was like during that, that decade. And we not long ago were watching the one from the 70s. It was all about Richard Nixon. And I remembered as I was watching this, I remembered experiencing it when I was younger when he stands or sitting there at his desk before the uh, the, the TV saying effective at noon tomorrow I will resign as president of the United States because of all of the the Watergate stuff that had gone on and then the next day you know they show him walking out of the White House and across the lawn and he climbs the stairs to Marine One the helicopter and he turns around and just gives him the great big two peace signs as if there was if, if, if as if they were experiencing peace at his departure when there was anything but peace there was lying and deception and division in the country and he's going out farewell with peace when there was no 
piece at all. But that reminded me watching that of another farewell. And that was uh, a farewell that I experienced uh, as a, a, a child watching the Carol Burnett show. Some of you may remember that. Our family used to gather and watch the Carol Burnett show. And it's a, an improv comedy show that was on TV that lasted about 30 minutes or so. And at the end of every one of those shows, she would come out on stage, the lights would dim, and she would sing this song. I'm so glad we've had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. It seems we just get started, and before you know it, comes the time we have to say so long and she pulled on her ear like that an affection to her mother a shout out to her mother her love for her mother saints of christ church i am so glad that we have had these 20 months together to live life together in partnership in this gospel of grace the joy that fills my heart and my head today is real, very real, because I am confident of this. He who began a good work in you and he who began a good work in me will see that work all the way to completion. Thanks, thanks, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the joy of the gospel. Thank you, Father, that you have visited us by your spirit with this gospel such that you have changed our hearts and now seal to our minds that our hearts have indeed been changed because we are sons and daughters of the living God and therefore brothers and sisters with one another. Thank you for this partnership that we have enjoyed Thank you for the certainty of knowing the partnership shall continue. Continue that work, Father, we pray, as you have promised to do. We are certain of it. Until that day, in the fullness of his glory, our Savior will come again. And these old days and, uh, and, and times of, of sin and corruption will be gone forevermore. There will be no more sorrow, no more death, no more sadness but only glory with you forever and ever even so come lord jesus quickly come we pray it in your name amen